Hello, friends and folks, and welcome back to another playlist podcast from Scanline Media. We're here to talk about what we've been playing lately, round things up, go around the horn. Joining, I'm I'm six down more. I'm 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 on top of the horn. It's pointy. Uh, joining me as always, uh, my my two regular co-hosts. Hi, yeah, hi. I'm Jennifer Uncle, and uh, I've watched around the horn a few times when I was in the sports journalism major. Oh, that's a show, isn't that it? Is yeah, a show, isn't it? Yeah, uh, ESPN. Is that? Uh, let's see, ATH uh, for short. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it used to, it used to be Max Kellerman. I know that name. Okay. Yeah. I know that name from people joking about the concept of Max Kellerman. <laughs> <laughs> and all I know is, speaking of names, my name is Kyrie Page. Welcome to the show, Kyrie. Thank you. Thank you. Is that well, was that all you know, or was that? That's like the a, only thing I know. To, all and oh, basically, I hit oh, okay. my head on the way back from work today, and the only concept mm. I can remember is how to speak English and also my name. So this is going to be a great pod. Yeah, and just sp- you're going to find out in uh, about twenty hours that your secret you were Darth Revan. Oh, okay. Yeah, D- despite all her rage, she's still curious, Paige. How long have you been sitting on that one, Jennifer? It just it just came to me like seven years. Seven years. Uh, we're also joined. We're 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 very delighted to be joined by the ever patient. Uh, the yeah, the preeminent investigator in uh, bad murder mysteries. Hey, Ryan, welcome to the show. I was going to say that I prefer sports night, but that was five bits ago now. <laughs> 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 Listen, we, we 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 move we move fast around here, you know. <laughs> you just gotta keep up yeah. with the jokes. <laughs> Hello, hi. Hello, hi. welcome to the show, uh, Ryan. I want to tell you a story. Okay. Um, you were the person I knew who got into twelve minutes the most. And you were you were posting about it in our Discord, and you were like, "Y'all should play this, and we should talk about it." And I, was, I downloaded it. I well, okay, it. that was directed towards Jen and Grace specifically. Okay, that was not clear. That but was not to, clear. So, but okay, so so I, here's how the story goes: is I downloaded it, and then I was like, "Oh, I'm busy. I can't play this." Um, <laughs> and then I kept waiting, and I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna fire this up." And I fire mm-hmm. it up, and I like I I I do the puzzle, and I find my keys, and I get inside, and then my Discord pings, so I pause the game like right as I step inside, and you're like, "Yo, do you want to know the twist of Twelve Minutes?" <laughs> <laughs> and I deleted the game. <laughs> oh my god! Amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I so I don't really keep up with AAA games as much as some of y'all do. Mm-hmm. I thought society has progressed past David Cage games. Uh, in <laughs> in so far as there were a lot of people hyping up this game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this game reviewed well, 
right? Did it? This game it reviewed well. Hold yeah, on. it did and review so, well. Let me check well, its Metacritic. Hold on. It's. I, I mean, I saw a lot of articles of people being like, like, and not there, like there were. I feel like the reviews were positive, but then they were like, this game should have content warnings, and I feel like that's a false dichotomy because it should have content warnings for for being fucking dumb as hell. Okay, uh, according to Metacritic, it has a seventy-seven. And okay. a user score of 6.1. So you can say okay. that the response is mixed. Mm, 77, I feel like that's that's solidly in the it's good territory. Yeah. And I, I wonder, I, I, I just I wonder how many of that is like pre-release versus post-release stuff. Um, uh, I feel like it's also a situation, it, it seemed like a situation where like reviewers were liking it but other critics who like there were yes. people if you if you followed it all the way through and wanted to write the review you liked it if you yes. played some of it and then got to the twist yeah. and you were like I don't want to write the review but I do want to write an article about how this sucks like yeah and, and like outlets like IGN gave it like a 9 or something dumb like that mm. and it's like all right well okay whenever 12 minutes was shown at like an E3 or something I'm like, hey, is that game? I like, mm-hmm. I like crime stories. I like a good, you know. I have to solve a puzzle to to figure out the crimes. I'm excited for that. And it was announced for Game Pass. I was like, cool. I don't have to pay money for it. Awesome. I can just play it when it comes out. Sweet. And I play it. And and it, I liked it for like an hour, but also it's a mess <laughs> because I don't know how you make a game. And you advertise Daisy Ridley, uh, who's the other guys? Uh, Willem Dafoe and the other guy, James McAvoy, who plays the dumbest motherfucker on earth. Okay, who the fuck is James? I know he's an actor, but all that name means to me is I'm like, oh, someone must be like missing like Will McAvoy, like the the dude from the newsroom. That's every time I hear James McAvoy, I think of the dude from the newsroom. (laughs) (laughs) Same way. He was he was in that like split movie. Remember that? Oh right, split personality bullshit. He plays that guy. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Fuck that guy. He he also plays a young Professor X in the more recent. Oh wow, he was terrible then too. (laughs) Uh, He won Best Actor for. I know he won it for 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 something else. Never mind. I was wrong. Yeah. Anyway, thing. One one of the first interactions I had with this game. Was that my wife made me food, and I went to click on the food to eat it, and my character put it in his pocket, and my wife got mad. <laughs> yeah, this, so this I don't understand this fucking game and who it's for. <laughs> this game is so wild. Like, you could just take the candles that she's put on the table and put them in the toilet and then close the lid and you got some mood lighting in the bathroom. Uh, and uh Willem Dafoe is not easy to break his AI but it happened often enough that you see all sorts of weird videos of him just circling around in the room saying alright this is the police nobody move or just standing on top of the character (laughs) it's such it's okay I I wanted to like this game. I did not. Mm-hmm. 
the thing that confuses me about it is the Annapurna hype and how they were able to get these actors because the script is horrible. Um, oh, the the fact that, that they got those actors, like, that's... Annapurna is finally cashing in the fact that they're sister companies with a film studio owned by Brad Pitt, so... Like, I, I feel like them getting big names isn't, uh, that, that's something that seems feasible for them. It is. But, and it, it was cool when they did it in Sinar Waters, when they got Queen Latifah. That was fucking dope. This game, though, like, why? <laughs> what? The voice acting is so clunky, and the lines... Are delivered so weirdly, like everything is a separate. There's no, there's no scene in this game that feels like a scene. Mm-hmm. Every voice line is like weirdly cut up, and it's because I guess like you can interrupt anything, right? So they have to account for that, and and everything just feels so stilted, and it doesn't feel like anybody's really acting. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one who the only voice acting I really liked in this game was was William Defoe because I love him. But mm-hmm. um, so you're saying they didn't they didn't even use like the technology Telltale did when uh, Telltale was making Poker Night like all those years ago that actually makes the conversation seem like they have flow and rhythm. I mean, even Oxenfree does this correctly. Right, mm-hmm. and but it's not even like it's not even. How do I put this? It's the game can't choose between being an old timey event adventure game or being a cinematic, quote unquote masterpiece. It it's... is just stuck between those two poles, and it just it doesn't have any identity to it as a result. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel it's interesting because um, I remember like I, I had this game on my radar, you know, like some people a billion goddamn years ago when they when they had a showing at like they when they did a like a quick look right back in the day for the version that like had a completely different art style and had no voice acting. And what I was sold on the game being at that time, like I didn't even think of there being a mystery. Right. I was like, oh, bad shit's going to happen. And it's just like this is going to be a, a, a very small, like a, a very small, like kind of like um, people talk about like there's the dream of doing like the like the one block RPG. Right. That's just like really dense, you know, kind of like which was kind of realized with uh, Disco Elysium, kind of like that. Right. Where it's just like, no, we're just going to it's only going to be in this one apartment, basically, but it's going to be so dense with possibilities that it'll be great. And I didn't think there was going to be even much of a story. It would just be like, hey, learn things about these characters and try not to get shot by the cop. Um, and then when it resurfaced, I was like, wait, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. Was the time loop, like, mystery, like, part of those original builds? Yeah. It had to have been. I mean, like, there was a time loop. So he- <laughs> Okay. We are going to spoil the end of 12 seconds. 12 seconds. Uh, 12 minutes. 12, 12 minutes. seconds. We will a, do it. 12 seconds is a I better wish, game. I we wish will, it was. We, will, we will spoil it in approximately 12 seconds. Also, content warning, this game's fucking gross. Anyway. Anyway. In, 
In that 2015 build, there is a sibling incest joke. In that build! Oh, no. So they did know at that time. Great. Yeah, fucking... And so what I don't get is one... Okay, so the, the part where it's like a thriller and you're trying to solve a mystery, good. I like that stuff. The part where you have... It's an adventure game and you have to fucking just do a billion things until you stumble your you stumble onto a puzzle that progresses a story insufferable the worst shit i got stuck because i didn't click on a picture bullshit bad terrible yeah and that's even before the twist happens i was already souring on the game before then and then it happens can you just like can you just say the twist i mean like we all know yeah like for anyone listening who doesn't know i suspect at this point a lot of you do but just say it so we can have it in the air and keep going. Mm-hmm. I'll just I'll I'll do a, a spark nose version of the plot. You and your wife are having a baby. A cop comes in and and disturbs the the gentle sweet scene, and then you're in this time loop. And over the course of this time loop, you learn that your wife has been implicated in the murder of her father, um, and through unraveling that you come to realize that you um are the child okay one they the wife and the dad did not get along there was like you know abuse problems um and he had an affair with the nanny blah blah blah. you come to realize that you the character are the son of the nanny and the father uh, and that you have murdered the father uh, instead of the wife who was implicated originally. And, and you that, forgot you did that. And you forgot you did that. And you are uh, having a child with your stepsister. That is the plot twist of this game. Yeah, but that's... Mm-hmm. It even goes a level further to the point where the entire game is a dream sequence. Like... Uh, this is specifically your character thinking out um, the fact that you have fallen in love with your sister and what you're going to do about it. So you go through this whole dream sequence situation. Like, Willem Dafoe, the cop, also plays the father, which initially just seemed like, oh, they're just double casting. But no, he's just, the role is credited as father because he is just the father. And, okay, so... I don't. I don't know how you. How did you go back and rewatch that that quick look, Ryan? I have not. I also want to say that there, the dream thing, is up for interpretation because there's more than one ending in this dumbass game, mm-hmm. and none of them are satisfactory. <laughs> so there's that. Here's the thing that really fucking gets me. Lay it out, six. So this movie, this game, uh, obviously had more people work on it after the fact, but originally it was being worked on by one dude, by Luis Antonio, as he was, like, sort of in his free time while he was working on The Witness for Jonathan Blow. Can I can I read this man's uh, Wikipedia real quick? Sure. Uh, let's do uh, it. Hold on. I'm pulling it up. Well, I, well, Six, say your thing, and then we'll... No, nope, oh. I'm there. Okay. No, Sorry. That's fine. This is the from the Wikipedia of 12 Minutes. Can't it wait. is... Luis Antonio is a former artist 
from Rockstar Games and Ubisoft. That's it. <laughs> continue. So, when he's doing this quick look, he's talking about how, like, it's been, you know, it's been really great working on The Witness, but he wants to make a thing of his own. That's his own project. Um, and that he's been working really hard on The Witness, and he hasn't, you know, like, uh, as game dev happens a lot, he's not been home very much, right? And he wants to make this game thinking about himself and his wife and their relationship. Yo, what the fuck is wrong with you if this is the game about that? <laughs> uh, it's like that It's like that fucking guy who directed Midsummer and introduced the movie at the screen and being like, <laughs> Woman, am I right? <laughs> I will give... I will the video give... game industry is very sick. I will give this guy props for one thing. He was the art director on The Witness, and The Witness is a very pretty game. It looks great. Mm-hmm. So, good job. But this game is trash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like, the, the plot was finished, like, somewhere around 2015 or something, and then he just spent the rest of the time polishing it. So. But then... They shot the friggin' mocap. I don't know how the t- I don't know what the timeline is. It looked. I don't know if they were working remotely during COVID or they were just working remotely because the, the documentary that they posted made it look like they were working remotely during COVID because he was directing like actors and stuff over Skype or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the timeline is mm-hmm. on like production wise. But it, it could be just like they didn't want to do stuff in person. Yeah. I don't know. Who it's knows? Ridic- I don't I don't know. The thing that I just came away with was like why was this game so hyped up? Why this game? <laughs> why did we prop up this game to like put in front of everybody's eyes with Xbox Game Pass. It's I don't know why it's because Annapurna took an interest. I think I know why. It's because it is still like the game industry is still chasing that tail of like oh, or chasing that car or whatever of let's we're going to be like movies. We have movie stars and it's like that that shit got old in like 2010 you know like games are like kind of their own thing right but like the constant need to be like the movies you know like that is still pervasive in the triple a space and it's like and i yeah and this and it, i mean and this says you know daisy ridley and james whatever and like <laughs> i don't know and it's a cool premise. It's an it's an easy sell, but it all amounts to an ending that basically just tells you to fuck off for caring. And it's like, well, great. Like I feel like an idiot for being excited for this game. I feel like an idiot for playing this game and like spending time on it. I feel like an idiot for wasting twenty minutes on a podcast talking about this stupid fucking game because I'm still mad about it. Like I. I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's all. Yeah. I got it out of my system. Great. That, you know, that's that was that was 
I think a large part of why you wanted to be here and why I wanted you to be here, Ryan. Listen, I, I hope our listeners took some entertainment out of that, right? Took some engagement. But I really just wanted space for you to heal. <laughs> it, it makes me so upset. <laughs> Want to talk about something that doesn't make you upset? Psychonauts 2 fucking rules. Yes! It's so good! Um, yeah, go off. I know I know. me and Jenna finished it, but where, have any of you any... Uh, I haven't... Uh, I, oh, yeah, I, uh, I downloaded it. With <laughs> <laughs> Game Pass. Uh, I would like to play it at some point, but you can kind of go off on like details about it. I don't mind. Um, because it's going to be a while before I play it again. Or Well, I mean... I played the first Psychonauts and I really liked it, um, but that was years ago. And um, uh, you, yeah, just tell me why you like Psychonauts two because it sounds like Psychonauts two um, is a success in many ways. Okay, so context: I I played Psychonauts two as a child. It was one of the you first went back games in time and played Psychonauts two. <laughs> Psychonauts 1. Okay. Uh, I played the first one as a child, and uh, it was, like, the first game I remember buying and just playing for, like, hours on end. Like, I was so into it. Um, And so, you know, 2 gets announced and then is in development for forever. A long time. If I Like, they were partially funded through like a site that I don't even think exists anymore. Fig. Yeah. Yes. And that was uh, years ago. Yeah. Um, and then they got bought by Microsoft and then Microsoft just let them finish the game the, the way they wanted to. Um, and I'm excited to see a double find that isn't burdened by financial stress. That is exciting to me. Um, but so you start Psychonauts 2 and opens on a mission and it it is immediately just the most like charming game it i i feel like the jokes are less consistent in terms of like how much i laughed out loud but like there's a bit in the first level um and i'll just spoil this cuz this happens in like the first hour there's a bit um, you're you're in the mind of the of one of the villains from the first game, the evil dentist guy, and you're trying to get him to talk um, and see who like his boss is. Um, and so you deep you go deeper in his mind, and I, the one of the first things you see are 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 a bunch of framed images of like posters that are like. You know, st- snitches get stitches. Don't be a rat. Like all of this, all of this, like it. Ha- all of it has the tone of like something you would, a mom would buy uh, from like Walmart that you would like hang at home. But it's like, hey, don't be a fucking rat. Don't be a fucking pig. <laughs> sn- snitch- uh, snitches get stitches. Like all of this stuff. It's like really funny, um, and it is. It is just like the amount of just polish and but also like creativity like really just bowled me over um in a way that like it's hard 
it's really hard to like capture like the magic of playing a game when you're a child and this almost got there for me um and i feel like as the story goes on it it handles specific topics that feel uh extremely resonant in a way that i didn't feel like they tried to do in the first one um and i think it finds a balance between being like a really fun like comedy game and also just being like super earnest about uh what it's trying to do with the the characters in the story um so that's kind of my like general overall thoughts on it mm-hmm. yeah it it focuses on specific characters who are dealing with some pretty serious real world issues but instead of turning it into a joke they handle it with real empathy and don't allow it to define those characters in a way that you basically never see even from a lot of the indie empathy games you see pretty often like it's so well-rounded and uh heartfelt that i it really latched on to me um one of the things i really like about it is that it has the energy of like a a full throttle or like a grim fandango where there are these like set beast moments or like locations that you're just strung along um throughout the game and it's all very creative and really just like you're just booking it to see what the next like story beat is um and it has like it's it is like creating levels that are meant to be seen once like story beats and like just like moments that stick out without like overstaying its welcome and that aspect of it like having it feel like an adventure game to like good parts of an adventure game not like shitty puzzles that part is what like made me like realize like one i need to go back and play some of those older games with a guide and like two like i just like when double fine is in this mode and i feel like they haven't been here in a long time because they've just been like making small indie stuff and haven't had the opportunity to like do this like big scope game in a while yeah like if they had um the broken age thing but uh yeah. The way that uh, the Double Fine audience kind of treated them, or just the internet at large treated them, was so shitty that I, I feel like they stuck with uh, things that were much smaller than that for a while until they were working through uh, making Psychonauts 2. Yeah, and it's one of those games where I am not usually like this, but I am in the middle of 100%ing this game because I just want to see every nook and cranny of it um and get that a thousand gamer score which i don't care about achievements but i feel like i've been waiting for this game for such a long time that i just want to just envelop myself in it for like the next week and just just see it through to like 100 percent completion that's the thing Um, i wanted to ask about is the collectibles right like i I think it's it's a tricky thing. I, f- I find it very commonly in, in 3D platformers, I do not appreciate collectibles. And I suspect 
that I'm not going to care for Psychonauts twos. What do you what What are your feelings on on those? Uh, you're definitely not going to care for Psychonauts twos, um, and so so Psychonauts two, they have three. I think it's no, it's four. They have I think it's four. They have four different types of collectibles. Um, most of them are not that bad, but the thing that's the worst is the figments. Um, the idea itself is like fine. They are illustrations within someone's mind um, that you collect that sort of they match with the environment really well, but they stand out and you collect them and there's a like finite amount in the level. They hit your brain in the same way that crackdown orbs do where you see one and you're like, shit, I got to get that. Um, the problem is when you're like a hundred figments deep and you're like, damn, I have two more. They could fucking be anywhere. And the game doesn't really clue you in on where it would be to the point where the guides for this game, certain publications get to the figment sections and they're like, I don't fucking know. You figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it. it's something that on a casual play, I imagine won't bother you too much, Six, but if you're looking to, like, um, really go for that completionist angle or um, really power yourself over the top with your, um, with your Psychonauts ranking, then it can be annoying. Yeah. And the thing is, it doesn't matter. Like, they're all optional. You get, like, level up points for them, but, I mean, it's not. You can turn on assist mode also and just go through the story. Yeah, that's the other thing. You can just make, you can just make boss fights absolutely nothing if you want to. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know before I, uh, before I get started. Yeah, it's... It's remarkable, you like, seeing a game that uh, didn't sell well get a sequel is pretty rare, but like, seeing one that didn't sell well and was just kind of buried for like, over 15 years or something like that, <laughs> and not only does it get a sequel, but it's not doing that thing that other revivals do, where they're just constantly playing on... A, you remember this, or A, you remember that? It's just like they took the bits of the plot that they left off in, in Psychonauts 1 and went, oh, this is what we would do if we had a chance for Psychonauts 2. This is how we would expand it. And well, they go ahead and do it. Well, I, well I'm sorry. I No, it's okay. Go ahead. I was going to push back on that a little bit and say that there's a character who was evil in Psychonauts 1, and Raz goes... What do you mean you don't trust this guy? He was—he only tried to kill everyone three days ago. <laughs> because this takes place immediately after Psychonauts 1. Yeah, they, they do have a few funny, like, nods to characters not understanding time the same way that you do. But uh, it's not like repeating a bunch of catchphrases and shit from, like, the previous game. So what I was going to say is that um, one of the advantages that Psychonauts 2 has of, you know, these retro revivals or whatever is that it is, it's Psychonauts 2. It's not, you know, oh, we're making Mighty Number no. 9 and, like, we're making an analog to Mega Man or we're making Bloodstain, which Bloodstain is a pretty good game, 
but it's not, you know, like they're, they're working with like, they're working with the same stuff, you know, that they were 15, 16 years ago. And I think that helps in a major way because it's not like relying on the, Hey, Hey, you remember this? Like that games of this ilk are because it is literally, I mean, it's, it's Psychonauts 2, not um, Brain Maniacs or whatever. <laughs> yeah, since they're able to just pick up from the same, I hate using this word, but license, <laughs> they're able to just continue or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been watching Twin Peaks for another podcast, but it feels like when they brought back Twin Peaks, like they didn't bring it back because... They were nostalgic for it. Sure, that was like an aspect of its creation, but like they brought back Psychonauts two. Well, one probably because financially they probably needed to do it, but also mm-hmm. it feels like when you're playing it, it feels like it's telling a story. It's telling its own story in an earnest way, and not in, hey, you remember when you had a PS two and you bought this weird fucking game? It's doing. It's doing more than that. Yeah. Um, there are story details and especially the ending that I don't care for. Um, but I don't know where I would put those thoughts without. Yeah. I don't think we're ready for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It is another game with a interesting celebrity cast though. They use the celebrities much better in this. Like, uh, it is kind of funny that they only got Jack Black for one level (laughs) when his character is a bit more significant than that. But, uh, he does a good job. Elijah Wood does a good job. They just are working with Double Fine regulars and they all do excellent. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll be I'll look forward to having a having a deeper conversation with y'all once I can can say anything about it besides uh I, I didn't finish the first one. You don't have to. Yeah. I I that's that's what I hear. Mm, um, yep. So that's good. Yeah. It plays better mechanically much better than psychonauts one and i love this is this is something i don't yeah (laughs) i don't i don't agree i agree in that raz feels better to control there are a few mechanical frustrations i have with this game one is you get a bunch of powers and the game the game gives you four the basically the bumpers and the triggers to work with to map out these powers um and it feels clunky as a result. You just get too many powers that you can work with. Um, and I wish... What I ended up doing was just have one button where I would hop, hot swap to. Um, but at that point, I would I wish they would have done like a Ratchet and Clank thing where like, you would have one button that pulls up an ability... And that is just like the ability button or something like that. Like a radial wheel or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, it kind of does that, but in a really clunky way where it's like, here's four mappable buttons, go ham. And it's like, I feel like some consistency would have helped in that case. It just feels kind of clunky as is. Um, it sounds like they're the following other- in the proud tradition of uh, the PS2 classic uh, PsyOps the Mindgate Conspiracy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Um and the other thing, Raz feels better to control. 
without a doubt. I don't know if the level design is better. It feels roughly the same to me. I haven't played through all of Psychonauts recently, but what is what the game asks you to do feels on par to me as someone who has a lot of affection for that game. I don't even think Psychonauts 1 was a bad platformer. I realized I played it as a child, so maybe I'm biased. I played it a lot later. I played it, like, 360 era. And, like, I mean, it wasn't great. Like, it wasn't one of those games, it wasn't one of those platformers that you're playing for the joy of the control, but it was fine. Yeah. I feel like it's roughly the same here. It is flashier, visuals-wise and stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like the the level design and stuff feels roughly the same. That is just me. I, you know, like it. Feel it seems each like, to their own, I guess. Sure, it, it feels like a bunch of people who are mostly focused on narrative adventure games trying to make a platformer. Is that like accurate? Yes, that that's with Psychonauts one. That is accurate. <laughs> but also, this game has a Dark Souls lock on, which is weird. To me. What I don't know. <laughs> lock on to enemies, and it does a Dark Souls camera thing, and you like strafe. Um, and the lock-on is for kind of finicky sometimes when you have a bunch of enemies. You better not. You're sometimes you're better off just not doing the lock-on. It's weird. Um, the combat's fine. I think it's fine. But it, seeing a lock-on, seeing Raz lock on to an enemy like using Dark Souls is like really funny to me. Yeah. Like uh, I, I do think Psychonauts one played kind of rough in certain spots, like that ocean level and uh things like that but also i'm one of those people who thinks everyone who complained about the meat circus and psychonauts one um was overblowing it by a mile uh i also never finished psychonauts one so i can't speak to that wait really no oh i never finished it okay i have a lot of affection for it but i never finished it i know what happens in it like i, I know the story but like I never actually, like, finished it. I've played, like, three-fourths of the way through, like, a billion times. Never finished You never it. finished the fight? Never finished the fight. I think I, I think when I played it a number of years ago, I got up to the Milkman Conspiracy and then stopped. Yeah, I got yeah. past that, but I don't, I don't, I don't remember. There was a, there was a, I, I don't have any idea. It was too long ago. I don't remember, but, um. Well. Okay. Well, yeah. I think I think w- whether we do it privately or publicly, I think there will be another conversation between us all about about Psychonauts two in the yeah. future. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And you also um, finish Psychonauts one sometime. It's really good. Meh. <laughs> I feel like it's gonna go hard. It's gonna be hard to go back to because some of the some of the movements stuff that they added here are like super clutch. Hmm. That like have not having that in second last one is going to be like uh, yeah that's, I don't know guys that mm-hmm. is true. Uh, so speaking of platformers and revisiting things, um, I've been playing a bunch of uh, Metroid stuff in the run up to uh, Metroid Dread, um, and I decided to give another shot to Metroid: Samus Returns, the 3DS remake of Metroid Two that I initially was pretty. I was pretty hard down on. I was I was not a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting playing it again. Um, I think I certainly like it better this time around, but it's also just a very strange game. 
strange how. Well, so um, I also have Metroid Two, you know, on on Game Boy, um, and I played a little bit of it to refresh my memory before I started playing the restarted the remake. Um, and like Metroid Two is a game that at once cries for a remake and also makes remaking it extremely hard because okay you boot up metroid 2 on your game boy and it says like pick a file one to three there's no options menu um it just it just says like file one two three and you pick one and you hit start and then metroid (laughs) i did the thing i did the meme and then samus is just standing there and there's a thing at the bottom that that says 40 and there's another thing that says 99 and there's a thing that says 25 and just like okay go and you're like, go where? Go what? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, this isn't like this isn't like the way. Um, like even Metroid One on the NES starts with um, Samus phasing in and the music playing, and you get this sensation of, oh, I am supposed to explore and look around, but um, like it's like it has a wider view, and you only have one number on the screen, which is you can assume is your health. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just, you know, you have that sense of like, oh, I'm just, I'm about to go on an adventure here. And like, the the camera's so zoomed in in Metroid Two, it's so claustrophobic in a way that's really cool. But again, like, you can't do that in a remake. Um, and like, yeah, like this is interesting. Here's a fun fact. You know that like classic, you know, Metroid like it's it's called like 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 what's it called like samus arrives or something it's the do 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 yeah yeah, yeah. this is literally the only metroid game that doesn't have that ah okay which i i feel like is kind of a good representation of the fact that this this game just sort of you're just sort of walking around it feels like incomplete in a way and it's not right i'm not actually saying it's incomplete but with modern expectations and modern standards it's just a very bizarre game um it it doesn't even have a map it doesn't have a map and also like it doesn't do the metroid thing of like oh here's an area i can't access because i don't have this ability there's a little bit of that but there's a lot of just like whenever you kill like a metroid or x number of metroids the screen starts shaking and then if you go back to previous areas some of them will have changed in ways to let you access that were not telegraphed at all it's a nightmare. <laughs> um, and so playing this remake, it's like they have a lot of like, like ga- if they're going to do it in a modern style, they have a lot of gaps to fill in. Um, and the things they choose to fill those gaps in with are very interesting, right? Like, first of all, they're like, okay, we're going to give you more, you know, more upgrades and we're going to give you a map. And like when you enter an area, for some reason, there'll be this big Chozo statue with icons of Metroids and they'll like light up with the light up with like sort of like a dim light to let you know that if you kill this many Metroids, the statue will light up for real and the new area will. Wet. And it's like, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Uh, why do these exist? Um, sure. And, you know, at, at even more so than usual in Metroid. Um but also there's a bunch of a bunch of choices around the way the game plays and the upgrades they give you where um first of all there's the melee counter this is a game that's very much about like 
I feel like it's other Amish in this way, where it's about like, oh, these enemies, like, it's not just like you take damage when you bump into enemies. That happens. But if an enemy sees you, they will pause for a second and then flash white and charge at you. And that's your cue to hit the X button to do a counter and knock them back and get a get a critical hit on them. Um, and that mechanic works. Um, it is kind of like non-stop in the game and never interesting is the thing because it's like it's not like Sekiro right where you're trying to nail the timings on this stuff for every character it is hit the button when you see the white flash and the white flash is not like flash and it's gone it's like a 20 frame flash you've got a million goddamn years to hit the button right um and so it sort of does weird things to the pace where you're running through areas and you're like, oh, wait, this is the place with the fucking, like, weird tentacle bats. I got to stand here and wait for them to charge me or they're just going to hit me out of my jump or whatever. Um, and then the other thing it does is it has new powers where you, like, scan the area and it just shows you where the breakable blocks are. Oh, yeah, because that upgrade is always helpful. I mean, you know, there's a, like, Super Metroid had the X-Ray visor, and, like, there's always been, like, the, hey, drop a power bomb, and it'll reveal the thing, but it just feels weird, and there's also, like, lightning armor, and it just feels very, it feels very, uh, Metroid Prime Hunters to me, right? Like, I am having a fairly good time, but the gaps in Metroid are not being filled in with Metroid, they're being filled in with a different game in a weird way. I haven't thought about Metroid Hunters in a very long time, so... Is there was the dude who, when you hit the Morph Ball mode, he he split in half, and his top half climbed, crawled at you like General Grievous, but his bottom half turned into a turret. Great. <laughs> it was when, sick. When you describe it like that, saying that it, it filled in the gaps with things that are not Metroid, that kind of sounds like it's almost the perfect way to approach a Metroid 2 remake, just because... It was such a weird thing on its own already, so just making something else that is also weird kind of fits. Well, there's weird in that you could remake... I feel like you could remake Metroid 2 as this bizarre, atmospheric, almost horror game-like thing. Here it sounds like character action for the remake. Yeah, kind of. And I mean, you know, like... It's really easy to have a base of comparison because around the same time it came out, AM2R, uh, another Metroid 2 remake is, is what that stands for, uh, came out. And AM2R was like, what if Metroid 2 was Metroid Fusion? Or Metroid Zero Mission, I guess, more accurately, right? Right. Like, it was extremely like, we're going to take that approach to it. And that was a good game, but I think I, I, I hadn't thought about it this way, but Jen is right. It was also pretty unimaginative. Um, and I guess, I guess I am, I want to appreciate imagination, but also I feel like the imagination is not very imaginative, right? Like when your imagination is like, well, what if Samus could hit a, and there be lightning armor and it makes it so that when you do your counter, you counter harder. I'm like, that's not. That's not that of an interesting thing to fill the gap with. It is indeed not Metroid, but that doesn't make it good. <laughs> yeah, I guess you have a point there. It'll be 
interesting to see how how dread turns out since it's the same team mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the well, very least it looks cooler the art yeah. style is way better so absolutely yeah i think um dread's advantage is that you're not working off of the awkward base that is metroid 2 samus returns mm-hmm. that's true the other thing is just a quick note um wall jumping in this game is so fucking easy uh i like they they stop giving you opportunities to do it pretty quickly but like i did like three sequence breaks in the first 20 minutes because just like oh the timing on this is so generous (laughs) yeah i still need to finish uh that game too i'll try to do it before dread comes out i mean you know Seems you know, do what you want. It's Metroid. Guess I don't think you're going to be missing. You beat Fusion, right? I beat uh, Fusion and Zero Mission. So it's not like you're going to be missing crucial lore. Um, spoilers for the end of Metroid Two: Samus kills almost all of the Metroids, but there's one left, and it's the baby. It's the baby. I would like to see the baby. Is that hit rapper the baby? <laughs> Who painted the Mona Lisa? <laughs> The <laughs> <Da> baby. <laughs> uh, what have you been up to, Kyrie? So I've been up to a couple of things. Um, mostly, um, my time has been split between, uh, mostly fighting games, and um, I've been playing a bunch of uh, Monster Hunter as well. I've been sticking with that. Um. I guess I can briefly talk about fighting games. I recently got back into playing both uh, Dragon Ball and Undernight Inbirth um, Clear. Um, and that has been really fun. Like, I... It is no secret I have fighting game brainworms. I just love fighting games. I love playing them. Um, but when Jen and I moved, um, I didn't have a ton of... Op- like, our move took a while, you know? And I didn't have tons of opportunities to play games. Like, I still need to go and play uh, Neo The World Ends With You, which I still want to play, but it's just been... It just was a non-priority because I just didn't have that much time to invest in a game. But, like, with a fighting game, I can get a really satisfying experience after, like, 10, 15 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. I just have a couple good matches and... um, I'm good. Um, so in the interim between like the last like playlist or whatever, I have been getting into Undernight Inbirth clear because uh, six, you actually got me uh, a copy of this game like some time ago. Mm-hmm. And then a good friend of ours, Harry invited me to a server that he was on that just does like anime fighters on the East coast. And I have been participating in, beginner-friendly tournaments. I have been getting, like, advice from other players, and I've been doing pickup matches, and it's been really fun to sink my teeth into a fighting game competitively, because the last time I did that was uh, playing uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, like, when that came out, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I played that at a local... I played that in locals, uh, you know, some years ago, and... You know, because of COVID, locals aren't really a thing right now. Um, like, there's some cropping back up here and there, but it's not quite the same. And there's, I don't think there's really any around me, but 
being able to play online and just like ping the server and be like, hey, I want to play a game of Undernight and somebody will be there to play has been really satisfying and really fun. Um, it's just really fun to really dig deep in a fighting game, I think, because mm-hmm. I, I feel like fighting games are the genre that have just infinite depth. Like, you know, as long as there is one other person on the face of the planet willing to play this game with you, like, you're going to have a blast. Because it's so much more than just mastering mechanics. It's like learning how other people play the game and, like, fighting against that. And also making, an, you know, forming an identity for yourself by the way in which you play these games. Um, so that has been, like, kind of my experience so far, just um, playing Undernight. And also been back more casually into Dragon Ball Fighters because they introduced a new patch, um, patch 1.28. We're on 1.29 now because there were some bugs mm-hmm. in 1.28. There's a really, there was a really funny bug uh, that propped up, that cropped up. Um, in which uh, Gotenks would do his like Beyblades, Beyblade spin move, and if you tagged in with um, Cell, uh, it would just cause the two characters to just fly off the screen. <laughs> Sounds um, about right. Yeah, um, it was pretty funny. Um, and they fixed that in the newest uh, patch, 1.29. But they changed a lot of stuff for 1.28. They gave characters new moves. They gave, like, they added new defensive mechanics. Like, they really injected a, like, a breath of fresh air into um, Dragon Ball. Which is, to me, this um, is kind of unrelated. But, like, it kind of gives me confidence that... I think Guilty Gear Strive is going to be in a really good place at some point because Arc System Works is willing to look at a game and be like, okay, how can we introduce interesting, significant changes to it to make it better, even after release? It's interesting because I, I also play a lot of Dragon Ball Fighters. Um mm-hmm. And I have gotten the impression, I feel like over the course of the last uh, handful of years, I have gotten the sense that Arxis is extremely becoming split. I feel like there are definitely, like, there are there are specific teams in a way I didn't feel there were before, right? Okay, yeah. And Dragon Ball Fighters did fucking great. It did extremely well for them, and I, I I have hopes for that strive will turn into a game I enjoy. Right now, it is not really, um, but I don't feel like the way they've handled Dragon Ball gives me that faith because they're just gonna make Dragon Ball Fighters two or some other IP. They were so successful at this that that team is like, okay, well, this is what you do now. It seems like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think the the people who were like, we need to give Vegito a level four, and I was like, fuck yeah, you do, shoot the huge beam and then teleport and punch him in the head. Yeah. Uh, those people are not going to get their hands on Strive. Yeah, like, Arxis in the past couple of years has, like, blown up in a major way. Like, I imagine that there are many, like, there's clearly, there's hopefully a team still working on um, 
that Dungeon Fighter Online game that was announced and teased. Oh, yeah. That was teased in December of 2020. Um, and we haven't heard neither, you know, hide or hair of that game since then. Um, I hope that game turns out good because uh, Aiding is developing the fighting engine for that. And I love Aiding. Uh, Aiding did Bloody Roar. They did Tatsunoko versus Capcom. They make weird choices for fighting games, but in a really fun way. Um, so I am, like, I, 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 fighting games are just cool, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm glad that, um, I, I'm glad that even though Strive isn't quite hitting the way that I would hope, um, I know this isn't an Arxis game, but, like, getting into Undernight has reminded me, like, oh, this is why I like anime fighters. And it's, like, I'm really um, glad that I can dive into a game like this. Um, Mm -hmm. And a little unrelated to fighters, but uh, other things I've been dealing with. um, I got back into Monster Hunter Rise. Um, Part of the reason, actually, was because uh, they announced some DLC for... uh, Rise in which you got to play as Akuma, <laughs> mm-hmm. which that was like granted it's Street Fighter Five Akuma where he looks like a weird lion man. He looks great in Street Fighter Five. What's wrong with you? He looks sick in that game. It's a weird look. <laughs> it's it's a good weird look. It's a good weird look, but it is a weird look. <laughs> it is a weird look. He does look um, like a lion man. He looks like a weird lion man, and granted, he has like I've grown to like the design, but um. It's still a weird lion man. But anyway, they dropped this trailer that you get to play as Akuma. And basically what it does in the game is it takes the sword and shield moveset and completely makes it punches and kicks and uppercuts and fireballs. Um, So it is really really entertaining to just be Akuma and being able to punch a Mizutsune, you know? Mm -hmm. Just... Really just wallop them. Um, so, like, the wire bug moves have been changed so that uh, when you do the uppercut into, like, a shield slam that turns into a Shoryuki, or what's it? just a Shoryuken with, like, his slam down follow-up. Yeah. Um, he has his, you know, same moves. He does his voice lines. It's just really entertaining um, and it's really fun to like go into online um, hunts and just see uh, Akuma wielding like a giant hammer, you know, like it's such a dumb thing, but I really appreciate it. And they put in the work to make it um, a lot of fun. Unlocking Akuma is a pain in the ass, though, because the mission you have to do is um, you have to fight. There are two Rajangs, right? Mm-hmm. One of them is significantly stronger than the other one. Uh, and I, they kind of tell you which one is which, but I think both <laughs> Rajangs are significantly stronger than a tra- traditional Rajang. Like, I have really good armor in a Monster Hunter Rise, and I was being one-shot um, versus this thing against, like, the more powerful version. And so I went on, like, it took me, like, four or five tries just to like not only beat the Rajangs, but also to get the materials. Cause you get like dark Mahato uh, materials 
and that's what you use the forge the layered armor to get akuma and it was a pain in the ass and it took me like almost an hour of just focusing on like this um like series of fights like the final fight against the rajang that let me get the last piece um in order to unlock the akuma armor was a 25 minute hunt <laughs> which is That's pretty good yeah pretty good but when most hunts take about 15 <laughs> um uh, granted i haven't done like any of the like i've done some of the higher level hunts now and it's about that amount of time like Earlier today, I hit um, Hunter rank 40, and the get Hunter rank 40, you have to fight, oh, what's it called? It is this big flame lion thing. Um, I, I don't know. I forget off the top of my head. He's a real motherfucker, though. Um, took me, like, three tries to beat him. Um I don't know. It's like, I think Rise is in a good place. Like, they're adding more stuff, like cosmetic stuff, but also more monster hunts. And um, it's just been, it has been a comfort throughout this year for me to go back and just do a couple hunts in this game and um, get that satisfaction of, you know, fighting these big, cool monsters. And I think Monster Hunter Rise is a pretty great game. All told, I, I really want to check out Monster Hunter World because I've heard, I've seen the way you talk about it, Six, and I'm it's sure... It's a better game. <laughs> I'm sure I will love it. It's just a matter of, like, I'm invested in Rise right now, but I do want to play World um, because I think Rise does some really good things, and it sounds like the world does them better. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm the, I am the girl who's, it's like that image of like, oh sweet, two cakes, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I put almost like a hundred hours into rise and I have, I'm very positive on that game and I'm glad that they are adding stuff and just changing up the experience just in little ways. And, um, Oh, it's great. Uh, I like it a lot. And again, it's one of those games that I can get in, have a really satisfying experience in 15, 20 minutes, half hour, whatever, and just like put it down and be like, all right, I'm going to go work on other things now. But um, yeah. Dope. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a, that's a full full round the house, round the round the table, round round the horn. Right. That's what I said to start with. That's the that's a that's a that's a callback. Jen, did you want to talk about Kotor for a little bit? I, I guess I could for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I've been kind of bouncing between a bunch of games. Uh, it's been hard for me to stick to, to any one particular. I think just because, also the the move sort of like Kiri, and also I don't know. I've been hitting through some bad stuff, like, uh, I couldn't really stick with, uh, Boyfriend Dungeon because it was just very frustrating to play. It's a bad roguelike. Um, I played a few things on Game Pass, which, uh, also didn't re really grab me, um, aside from Psychonauts 2, which was great. But, uh, yeah, at some point, I don't know why, but I decided I'm gonna start playing Knights of the Old Republic, which is a game that I've started and stopped, like, five times throughout the years like i couldn't get off that 
opening planet because that opening opening planet just sucks so much <laughs> but uh this time i was like no i'm gonna stick with it i'm gonna get further i'm gonna ride this fucking swoop bike race i'm gonna rescue bastila and i'm gonna get off this planet and i did and uh yeah i've kept with it for the most part so that's been nice i uh I'm definitely using cheats, but uh, Which I am the game constantly shames Jen for. Yeah, like since I used console commands to like heal myself a few times, it uh, every time I load up my save, the little thumbnail says "cheat used." <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if this game's gonna shame me for it. Sounds like you should care. <laughs> I know, Ryan. Did you did you cheat when you played Psychonauts two? Yes. <laughs> I'm supposed to say no. Shit. Now I have no leg to... Have you played uh, KOTOR, by the way, Ryan? I stopped at the first time. <laughs> I think a well, lot of people did, because like I remember years ago trying to make a... Like, I made a character that... Um, I I like I made uh, basically a Star Wars version of Biff Tannen from Back to the Future. I was like, I'm gonna pay the, play the biggest space asshole like possible, and I didn't get off that first planet either. It's great because yeah. it's sort of it's one of the one of the origins of the like really hard like morality scales in games, right? It's it's one of the one of the original like here's a puppy. Do you pet it or break its neck? <laughs> uh, it. Yeah, here's a here's a situation with an alien. Do you act cool or do you be racist? Light side, dark side, baby. Oh, Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, it's the same people. <laughs> Funny yeah. you should mention. <laughs> yeah, that that game basically. Um, you're waking up as this person, and you're finding out. Oh. I'm turns out that I'm super powerful actually because everyone I run t- into is like, wow, holy shit, you're pretty cool. You can do all these things. Like, <laughs> the funniest part was going to the to the Jedi Council in Dantooine, and uh, they were like, wow, like this usually takes people years to figure out, but you've mastered it in two weeks. What the fuck? You're pretty great. <laughs> and I was just cackling the whole time just because it's. It's the most obvious sort of, like, a power... Uh, the protagonist is the most powerful situation, but they just keep saying it over and over again, like, with no degree of subtlety. It's but, like, very- I mean, every, every... Okay, everyone knows the twist of KOTOR by now. I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna spoiler warning this shit, right? Game but, is, like, how old now? Right. <laughs> but it is... So... In light of that, and the fact that most people who you're talking to about this know that, like the Jedi Council know you're Revan, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, it's they know? kind, of, yeah, dog. They you reported to them like, over and s- over. Like they've they talked to the past you many times. Oh yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like if like, you know, I don't know, like um, it's like it's like if fucking. 
a Sammy Sosa got amnesia, and then they're like, "Wow, you're you're really learning baseball quick!" Like, yeah, motherfucker, he's Sammy Sosa. You know this. I was gonna say something like Tim Curry, but yeah, Sammy Sosa also works. Tim Curry played bat played baseball. No, I mean like basketball. You mean Tim Duncan. Like, no. Steph Curry. What am Steph I talking Curry. About? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I was like, is that like before or after Clue? <laughs> I'm, listen. Listen. Listening? Uh, I am an idiot. Wait, he's Palpatine in the Clone Wars? What? He's Palpatine in the Clone Wars. No shit. Wait, Steph Curry? No, no. Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> Scanlinemedia.com. Jesus Christ, uh, It was it was pretty entertaining, like that side quest where you basically go to the grove because it's been corrupted, and there's just this Padawan that's like, oh shit, you gotta kill me. I'm just so I'm just so messed up. I killed my So twisted. Master. Yeah, basically she just keeps repeating that for five minutes until you keep go- telling her, no, you're not twisted. You're just going through something. Just expl- <laughs> just go back to the Jedi Council and be like, hey, so I kind of killed my master. Or my bad? And they'll take you back. And it turns out that the master has just been pretending to be dead this whole time like who knows how long just lying there like a corpse <laughs> that's a jedi well, for you <laughs> they fucking yeah. suck yeah that's the thing i'm learning through this game it's like maybe I, there are times when i am thinking like i wish that there was a middle ground where it was like i hate this fucking jedi order and i just wanted to stick it to them but also all of the bad choices are things like oh i'm gonna be a space racist or i'm gonna kill this puppy or we call them spacists <laughs> or i'm gonna make this young impressionable teenager fall to the dark side too your dark side voice is very interesting yeah that's <laughs> an interesting choice <laughs> And it is interesting, so in light of today's news, um, like, we're recording after the PlayStation event, and they are saying mm-hmm. they're doing a full remaster and remake of Knights of the Old Republic, but apparently they're rewriting it from the ground up, is that correct? I mean, the, the thing I've heard a lot is that, uh, the, is the theory that they're doing this basically, they're, they're rewriting the script, but they're probably not going to make as many changes as you might think. They're probably doing this to be more in accordance with modern lore. So just, you know, listen, you, 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 if you're going through the script line by line to make sure nothing contradicts the current lore, you might as well rewrite it at that point. Yeah, they're making it Disney compliance. Oh, that's a disgusting phrase. <laughs> That's why I chose it. Never say it again, Jennifer. Uncle. <laughs> now, Disney the compliant. They, they announced this remake back in April is the thing. They didn't have anything yeah. to show back then. Um, And so, like, when Jen was like, I'm playing Knights of the Old Republic, I was like, it'd be fun to play with her, but I guess I'll wait for the remake. And then this, <laughs> this press event happened, and Jen was like, wait, what? To be fair, a lot of people were in the same boat as I am. Like, sure, I think it was most a low-key announcement. Missed... Yeah. yeah. yeah I think people were just expecting it to be like another situation where, oh, it's Aspire just uh, doing another coat of paint on it like they have for the iPad and uh, PC releases and stuff. 
The, yeah. That PC release is rough, though, because, like, I, I peek over, like, Jen's shoulder every now and again playing this game, and whenever, like, a cutscene starts uh, in Knights of the Old Republic, the resolution on our monitors changed, like, ten times. It's a little rough yeah. around the edges. Yeah, they, they didn't do a ton to the PC stuff. They just did some compatibility fixes here and there, and... uh I think 2 got more of a treatment because 2 was, like, in the worst condition possible just because 2 is legendary for being a broken fucking mess, but, uh... Uh, 2 is a game that got finished by fans. Let's be clear. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's the impression. That's the... The impression that I get. (laughs) I was gonna say that is the reputation it has. Mm -hmm. I'm very fond of two, but it's also a mess. Yep. Uh, gonna boot up one and make a character named Mace Window. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta make Big Shitto. It's time. Yeah. It's time. Big Shitto's time. <laughs> it's Big Shitto's yeah. time to shine. Uh, all right. Well, this time I'm actually gonna wind down the podcast. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you. Uh, is there anything you wanna? Is there anything you wanna promote, of any sort? When is this going up? Uh, ne- it's it's going up like a week from now. All right, cool. Uh, so you can you can listen to me, if you want to, on Bald Gun Guy or Hitman podcast. Um, we're done with Hitman One. We're taking a month break. And we'll be back with Hitman 2. It's going to be sweet. Um, on Sunday, if you're listening to this. Actually, no. It would be out by now. JK. Just kidding. Uh, I was on chats to talk about Twin Peaks. Uh, I talked about one of the one of the mid-season 2 episodes right as the, the shit is hitting the fan. And it was a lot of fun. So, um. Go listen to chats and then uh, go watch Bad Twin Peaks. It's good. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, this is a, this is not a patron podcast. So uh, why don't you, Jen, Jen, why don't you start us off? You get to, you get to plug stuff for once. Oh yeah. I forgot. It's not a patron podcast. Um, you can find me at JB3 on Twitter. Uh, most of my stuff is on scanlinemedia.com or patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. But I also host a uh, narrative gaming book club podcast called Novel Not New, a true end podcast. That's over on the Abnormal Mapping Network, but you can also find it at readinggames.online. And uh, yeah, we're going to be playing Four Horsemen next, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyrie, what about you? Follow me at Kyrie A page on Twitter.com. That is where I, I don't know, I post stuff. I posted a pretty funny video of Akuma falling off a cliff. <laughs> you know, more I, I people, thought... more plug zones need to be like this. You'd be like, man, I had this really sick joke a week or two ago. <laughs> yeah. No, I posted that today. So oh, it'll man. be a week old by the time this comes out. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's where I post about. The stuff that I do, I've mostly been focused on the move and stuff, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Kyrie page at twitter.com and you should you know, go to scanlinemedia.com 
as I keep saying. Yeah? What? <laughs> Jed, it sounded like you gave out a, like a yelp. <laughs> <laughs> like I was startled for a second. I was just emphatically agreeing with you. Okay. You should go to skinlinemedia.com. Emphaticagreement.wav. <laughs> well, I guess I don't get to promote Scanline because it's kind of been overdone now. It's it's Now it's not cool anymore. Um, so I'm just at Six Detmer on Twitter, S-A-X-D-E-T-T-M-A-R. Uh, and you know what? I will I will promote one specific podcast. Uh, Mechanist NG is a very fun show where uh, Gundam enthusiast Dylan and I, I'm also a Gundam enthusiast, but I pale in comparison to Dylan. We just talk about, about robots. We roll some die and we talk about robots. Um, and the last episode was the first time that Dylan ever begged me to end an episode. Oh, incredible. That <laughs> we entered the bargaining state. <laughs> it was great. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say murder Jackson. <laughs> that, that was, that was two episodes ago, but that was also great. <laughs> it's, that's the, that's the great thing about Dylan is a very kind, unassuming soul. And they also like can be a little blunt in, in ways that make it worse because you know they thought they were being nice. And so when they make a joke about how Jackson is like slow bro because they were late for the podcast and they're like, oh shoot, I'm sorry. I thought we were all thinking it. It's brutal. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, until next time, folks. Peace out. See ya. Later.